Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your regular host, Alex Kalanorkas, but today you'll be listening to a special episode, which is the Autosport National Racing Podcast. It sometimes gets overshadowed by how much Formula One gets talked about, but our readers have been telling us they want more from national racing. So we've launched a new supplement in the magazine and in audio form as well. Here's a new podcast from the team. On the show today will be Stephen Licorice, Autosport Magazine editor Kevin Turner, and the host of the National Motorsport Podcast, Stefan Mackley. Yep, thanks for that, Alex. Um, so yeah, this is the first of our national podcasts, which hopefully we're going to be trying to do every couple of weeks, bringing you guys all the latest news that's happening in club motorsport throughout the UK. Um, and first of all, the first thing to talk about is uh, the national supplement, which is a new thing that we're running this year. Uh, we're going to be trying to do it uh, every month, I believe. Um, and if I hand over to Kevin, Kevin, you can just talk us through what's going to be in and the reason for having the supplement. Yeah, so there's uh, obviously um, you know national motorsport in the UK is incredibly diverse and rich. Um, Autosport has always uh, tried its best to to cover that, um, even though the perception is sometimes that that we don't. We do. It's the second biggest spend in terms of money, in terms of budget and pages outside of Formula One. So it's you know it's a huge it's a huge area, and um, really introducing the the monthly supplements allows us to really explore the same sorts of stories that we do in the magazine but but more of it basically so more driver profiles um more opinions from people within the sport um bit of tech focus which we'll throw back to you in a minute stefan because you did the one the last one last week was the the second one wasn't it the february one um focus on particular clubs so it's really just uh just to do more on on national motorsport which um you know is what we're, we've been hearing we you know that people want more from motorsport so that's what we're, we're doing in 2020 yeah, exactly. As you say, you know, it's the chance for us to to cover more stuff because 
Um, one thing we've you know found over the last few years and probably beyond that is you know it's a it's a huge area within the UK and it, you know it's got a real fan base. I think it's fair to say. I mean, Stephen, do you want to talk about a few of the uh, articles that were in the last supplement that was uh, in last week? So the main feature in the supplement is all about the Classic Sports Car Club, um, which is one of the leading uh, clubs in the UK at the moment. Uh, towards the end of last year in Autosport, we looked at the average race entries per series over the course of the year and out of all the different clubs the 750 motor club and the classic sports car club were the two that came out on top and those are the first two clubs that we featured in these national supplements and the CSCC is a really interesting case because unlike the majority of clubs they have no championships all of their categories are series uh, so drivers don't score points um, and they've also got a unique format where all of their races last 40 minutes and therefore one or two drivers. And that format seems to be working really, really well. Uh, and that's one of the things that we explore in this supplement in, in the magazine. Yeah. They're, quite, they're quite good fun to watch as well because they've got all sorts of random kit thrown together. It's probably worth saying that it's mainly tin tops and sports cars all the way through from 60s up to up to modern stuff really isn't it but they've also got their magnificent sevens which are the really sort of quick low to seven based stuff but uh, it's usually quite a nice mix of stuff at a given CSCC meeting yeah there's a huge range of machinery there and despite the name being classic sports car club it as Kevin's saying it's not just classic cars there's a huge mix of different uh, different machinery out there yeah I mean, it was. I think I'm right in saying that the CSCC had the av- largest average grids, didn't it, last season? So yeah, that's right. It's yeah. no sort of surprise, is it, that it's it's doing as as well as it is because of the plethora of different machines that are on offer. Another article that you uh, wrote for the supplement as well, Stephen, was about um, Elite Motorsport. Now they um, run on the Toka support package with uh, Genetta Juniors, um, and you know they're one of the you know one of the bigger teams uh, that are taking part in that category. Yeah, that they've got a really interesting story actually because. They started out in club motorsport. Uh, the team founder, a guy called Eddie Ives, uh, he, he raced himself in sports specials, one of the 750 Motor Clubs championships, in a elite pulse, that, a car that the team built themselves, essentially. It's a bit like a Caterham 7-style machine. And that's where they started out in, but then decided that wasn't going to be a commercial success uh, and moved into team management and moved into Janetta Junior. And I've had a huge amount of success in that. Uh, last year, they won, their drivers won both the Janetta Junior and the Janetta GT4 Super Cup Championship. And now this year, they're moving into the Mini Challenge Series as well. So they'll be competing in three of the five uh, support series for the BTCC. It's a really nice story as well because it's very easy to think of club racing being, you know, a family or or just one person rocking up running their own car and then Toka stuff or British GT support as being you know, these big professional teams and there's a bit of a chasm but actually Elite Story shows that you can kind of go from one to the other if you make the right decisions and employ the right people um, and I think it's a I think it's a really nice really nice story the sort of thing that you know hopefully we, we can cover more of in these in these supplements yeah I mean that's that's the thing isn't it these these supplements are the chance for us to explore 
perhaps the okay maybe not an elite's case because you know in, with their bright uh, yellow uh, liveries they're quite prominent <laughs> at, the, at the front of the field but uh, it's the chance for us to find out about you know drivers or teams um, you know mechanics who have perhaps you know not at the forefront of their categories but it means that we can cover them and find out about their stories and obviously within national motorsport I think there's plenty of those um, one of the other uh, features that we've got in the, the supplement is um, a bit of a tech focus as well um, I think the first First one we did in January was on the British F3 car and the modif- modifications to the Tatus Cosworth um, F3 car, um, and in this one it's the um, GT3 um, Spire, which races in the uh, Sports 1000 category. Um, and I mean, Kev, it's just a it's just a good way to to break down and have a look at some of the different machines that are on offer within National Motorsport, isn't it? Yeah, and I think one of the one of the reasons I like club racing is because you do still get the mix of machinery. So the 750 Motor Club actually has several categories where you can uh you know build your own cars you know, spire and missile or two you know two that, that immediately come to mind that have been going going at it against each other for the last few years you know we've got a lot of single make categories in national motorsport international motorsport and, and there is some in club as well I mean, mx5s for example are very successful but I, I like to see different cars and different sounds and um and that that really that that little tech focus is uh, is a way of ticking a few of those interesting cars off as we as we go through the season um, not as interesting though as the V8 Aston Martin that I've put in as the archive picture, which you seem to be very upset about at the end. Um, if, um, I'm hoping if, fans if, of club racing in the 1980s will appreciate that uh, that picture. If anyone um, does have the national supplement, if they turn to page 32, they will see said car. Now I don't have a I don't have a problem with the car <laughs> itself. If this was a black and white picture, it would have been fine. But the colour. If you've if you've got a car that cool, why would you have it that colour? I just I just don't understand. What at what point do you wake up and think, you know what? I'll I'll have my car beige. I, I will. Con- well, I think first of all that it's it's probably I think it was a bit more yellow in real life. I think um, yeah, I think the picture probably isn't quite bright enough from that point of view. But I think his original road car that he based it on may have been yellow i'd have to check that but that was a car that he started off with in the late 70s early 80s as basically a road car and he just gradually developed it and developed it uh, to the point where it was so quick and so no longer look, i mean it doesn't really look like an aston martin v8 in that picture anymore um, the aston martin owners club did eventually say yeah thanks very much but can you not bring it back anymore <laughs> so it's one of those it's one of those scenarios but um yeah he won an awful lot of races and when i was a kid that was a car that had quite a big uh, big impact on me so i make no apologies for putting it in the second uh, the second supplement this time around it's okay i'm looking forward to the one that we've got in got in march you've got quite a selection haven't you With, without giving any away you've got a few british f3 yeah i've got quite a few i'm just basically trying to stop you putting in a formula four picture for as long as possible to see how long we can we can we can manage that no there's not and in fact um formula four features prominently in um the retro piece that marcus pye's written um excellent segue kev i was just gonna uh, yeah just just gonna talk about that i mean so one of the things which we've we've tried to include in, in the supplements is um, a bit of a retrospective piece, and obviously Marcus Pye has, you know, covered national motorsport events for for decades. Um, so he's um, talked about um, a Thruxton meeting that he went to in 1973. And, and Stephen, um, I mean, it's one of those things that we're we're really keen to try and include within the supplements. You know, looking back at the heritage of club racing and these fantastic events that you know our colleagues have been to or you know just just anyone you know who, who's been to a fantastic event that's it we were talking earlier about how many 
amazing different stories there are in club motorsport and that's the same going back as it is today uh, and one of the things that's really interesting with Marcus Pye's piece is he, any of the drivers that he talks about during the article he sort of refers back to what that driver went on to achieve or what they're doing now and there's some really interesting stories there isn't there Kev? Yeah it's, it's remarkable it's um yeah, it shows. Uh, yeah, that's a great demonstration of uh, Marcus's knowledge, really, going back to because he spent the vast majority of his career doing national and club motorsport. Um, so yeah, he knows the stories of, in some cases, that you know the guys that own the cars and their sons, and in some cases their sons' sons, and he's got all the stories there. Um, and I really like that piece because. I think we do quite a lot of retrospective stuff now with uh, what you might call the big end stuff, Formula One and sports cars, and get quite a nice, nice feedback on that. You know, it's, it's sort of a people people like a bit of nostalgia, don't they? But we haven't really done that with club racing for for a number of reasons. One is space, and also photographs can be quite tricky, as I think you guys found out with that one. But uh, we got we got lucky through uh, multiple images there. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that a few of us um, old timers will try and will try and dig out over over the coming months and see what other interesting meetings we can. Uh, come out with i'll try to find one that didn't have the david Aston martin stefan so you don't have to put up with it again thanks kev um and as we said at the start of the podcast you know this is something that we want to try and produce um on a monthly basis um and although we've got ideas in mind of you know looking at various series or cars and teams um we are very much open to hearing from people out there you know anyone who's got a story to tell um, anyone who thinks that you know they've got a car that's worth featuring, for example, um, I mean, if anyone is interested in getting in touch, they can do at autosport at autosport.com. So, if you've got any suggestions, feel free to email that email address there, um, and you know, hopefully, uh, we'll have plenty more content throughout the year. Um, and speaking of throughout the year, we're going to oh, talk very about, good. Yes, We've done well there. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about <laughs> our um, what we're looking forward to in 2020. Now, there's so much coverage that we're going to be doing for, for Autosport this year um, and so many events. Kev, what are you looking forward to in the year ahead? Um, well, anyone that knows me will be unsurprised to find that most of my list involves old cars. So, yeah, historic racing is kind of my bag. And the ones I've joined, oh, we've got the Goodwood Members Meeting coming up at the end of end of this month, um, which is always a fantastic event. Um, Goodwood Revival also goes into my diary very quickly. Um Silverstone Classic, so they're the three big historic meetings in the UK. Um, and the Castle Coombe Awesome Classic, I think, will also be, that's kind of a bit more of a hidden gem, perhaps. Um, so they'd be sort of the first ones that I'd, I'd put in my diary. But I really must get to a British GT round as well. Um, I know they've had their media day this week, haven't they? Pretty strong championship. I used to cover it for quite a long time, and I've I've uh, not gone for a couple of years now. So yeah, I need to add that to my my personal list as well. Yeah, just just on Castle Coombe, that's moved uh, the Autumn Classic. That's gone to two days, so constantly expanding, and uh, you know, plenty of historic cars that are going to be there. Yeah, and I'd sort of admit admit a sort of a slightly um, conflict of interest in that my my dad actually runs uh, one or two. Well, it depends year on year, but one of the races there. But the reason I mention it is because it's always the one that he finds least difficult to get a grid for. So some circuits are a bit of a sell. So you know, trying to get the drivers there. But but Castle Coombe um, seems to seems to attract well both the competitors and the fans. It's also one of the best supported club circuits I think in the country. So um, yeah, it's a great great little circuit. I know you've been there many times, mm. but uh, yeah, that's uh, that that should be a good a good meet. I think any trip to Castle Coombe is pretty good fun. I think. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good track, and you know, it's a good good little team that that runs the circuit. It's their anniversary this year as well, isn't it? It is seventy years of of Coombe. 
Um, so I think they've got a few events, a few events lined up. Um, Stephen, what are you uh, looking forward to in 2020? What's sort of catching your eye? Some of the main series that I report on are the BTC support categories, and those are shaping up to be really competitive uh, this year. We've got a slight change in the sense that the Clear Cup is no longer on that support bill. It's moving across to British GT meetings, uh, and in its place is the Mini Challenge JCW category, and that's got reputation for large grids, plenty of action, really exciting races. So that should be a, a great addition to those meetings. Um, but in terms of all of the other series, the uh, Carrera Cup is looking very strong. British F4 has got a good lineup of drivers. Some of the top drivers from Janetta Jr. have progressed. Uh, Janetta Jr. itself hasn't got that many uh, second-year drivers this year. There's a lot of rookies, so that's going to be wide open too. So there's a lot to look forward to on on that there's a lot to look forward to at those meetings. Um, but away from those sort of top-level events, I think one of the meetings that should be really good this year is MG Live. Unfortunately, last year it was cancelled uh, due to the resurfacing work that took place at Silverstone. Uh, but it should be back again this year. Uh, there's going to be some guest historic races that are going to be part of the meeting. And that's always, it's unlike most other club events because there is so much going on away from the track as well as on the track and there's always big grids so that's another event to certainly be looking forward to this year mm. yeah no i'm just just on the um Toka supports i'm really looking forward to seeing the the mini challenge um i mean we've both been to a few race meetings and, and watched them in action live and you know they're, they're fantastic to see so i think having that as part of the Toka support package is going to be great it's going to bring in you know new fans for that category um, and I'm expecting plenty of thrills and spills because, uh, <laughs> yeah, they look a bit of a handful sometimes to drive. Well, Clio's had a reputation for often ending up on their roof, and we'll soon see if the minis uh, live up to that as well. Yeah, I think there's. I don't think I've been to a single race where there hasn't been a safety car during one of the races, which probably tells you everything you need to know. So uh, yeah, Mr. Gow might not be too happy about that. He'll have to. They'll have they, to be potting at the end of the day. They might find themselves, they but yeah. I'm the favourable parts of the timetable if that's uh, that's the case. The other thing about Toka, actually, which I think is probably worth mentioning, I've, I've personally over the years found that the uh, lack of change to the British touring car can be a little bit frustrating, although I guess your argument is, well, why change something that's clearly working? Um, so hats off to them for bringing in the international circuit this year at Silverstone instead of just being always at the National. National is always a little bit of a debatable one because the National Circuit is great for racing and the cars come around a lot but it's from a driving point of view there's you know there's not a lot going on whereas the International Circuit I think will be will be good obviously that involves the, the run down to, to Hangar Straight the Hangar Straight into Stowe I can't see them not getting through the link at the top of the circuit without having some instances there which could be a could be a plus or a minus depending on the point of view but I think it's good that they're doing something a bit something a bit different and also uh, the season opener which is in just a few weeks at the end of March that's at Donington Park after years of being at Brands Hatch so again it just adds to that new feel of the calendar and I think it's given it a really good sort of refresh and is a positive move yeah and, and talking of new stuff actually this is a question to you guys really I'm quite intrigued by the new Porsche series which is effectively designed at slotting in between club and the Porsche Carrera Cup uh, and in fact Ben Anderson tested the car in the first supplement in January. Um, how's the uh, how's the entry looking on that? Because I'm really hoping that that's going to be a strong one. Early signs are looking really good for that series. It's the it's called the Porsche Sprint Challenge GB, and it's for the GT4 Cayman car. And it, as Kevin's saying, it, it should be that perfect bridge between club 
racing where there's quite a few different Porsches out there in club racing and the Carrera Cup which is a it's not a cheap series to race in whereas this provides that middle ground and it's had a, an interesting mix of drivers sign up so far we've got some of the the sort of pro drivers coming in through from Janetta Junior who would perhaps find Carrera Cup too much of a jump ordinarily um and then there's also a lot of am drivers that again have perhaps own a Porsche or raced a Porsche who Carrera Cup's probably a bit out of reach for them but this is something that's more affordable more realistic and the signs are that it should be a really good first year it benefits from being on both the touring car and the British GT support bills so it's at some of the biggest meetings in the country and and should be a really exciting category to watch yeah it's probably worth us saying as well that Allsport over the years has criticised the number of championships uh, in fact I think we've done podcasts on this before the number of series there are um, and uh, you know sometimes it's oh here's another new one but we're not anti all new categories coming along if there's a really good reason for it I mean the Ferrari challenge in the UK last year was a success straight away um, and this Porsche series does seem to me to um, you know talking to Ben about driving the three cars he drove the club boxster that came in and all up to the you know the, the sort of the, the big car the Ferrari Cup car and if you're going straight from club into the Carrera Cup, which I think probably very few people would do, really, it is a it is an enormous jump, and this slots in nicely. And the fact that it's got a bit of support already shows that that Porsche have probably, perhaps predictably, done their market research and know what they're about. Well, it's a great thing for UK motorsport as well to have another manufacturer-backed series, another car maker prepared to invest in motorsport in this country. is is a very good sign, at, and what is not perhaps the most obvious time to be doing that yeah that's that's true yeah we've um we've we've we, i think you've you've wondered in the uh the openness to the supplement um last week whether um we could be heading for a, maybe a contraction rather than expansion of the season but there should still be you know the, the uk scene can afford to be smaller than it is and still be um yeah fantastic in fact arguably more so because there'll be more good stuff and less poor stuff um, and then looking ahead to this week um, and what's going to be on the national pages. So today is the British GT and British F3 Media Day, which is taking place at Snetterton. Um, and having covered the British F3 Championship for the last few seasons, um, and obviously by virtue of the, the British GT Championship, um, the racing is, is fantastic. Um, and I'm sure this season is going to be another one to look forward to. But um, Stephen, if we just talk about sort of who to look out for, you know, in British GT for, for this year, um, I mean, the, the obvious one is Johnny Adam, four-time champion of the, the category, coming back again this season with TF Sport. Yeah, that's right. So with someone of his experience, he's always going to be one of your favourites going into the season. But one of the stories that's in this week's Autosport is the fact that he's got a new co-driver. He won the title at TF last year with Graham Davidson. Uh, Davidson will still be at TF, but Davidson and Adam will not be sharing the same car this time. Uh, instead, Adam will be driving with Amad Alharthi, uh, a driver with a huge amount of experience in GT racing and has shared cars with Adam quite successfully in Blancpain in the past. Um, while Davidson will be racing alongside uh, this, alongside last year's GT4 champion Tom Canning. So that's a really interesting sort of dynamic between the two there to see how, how that all plays out. Um, and obviously they are among the favourites because they've got that, that success behind them. Uh, but they're not the only ones. There's plenty of other drivers there that are sure to challenge, including the perennial front runner Phil Keane, who's obviously back for another 
another year with Barwell. The, the, the unluckiest driver yeah. in British GT. He's been consistently brilliant for uh, probably most of the most of the last decade mm. actually in, in in British GT. But one way or another, I mean, some of the things his co-drivers have done over the years to lose in the championship. I mean, it's rarely anything to do with what Phil's uh, Phil's done. So he he probably deserves a championship. He's probably got more wins. He's, he's the Sterling Moss of British GT. I could I could, uh, could that's, that's quite the that's <laughs> quite, quite the yeah, yeah. for me. Yeah, but I think to, on on John Johnny Adam, I think the reason he's uh, his record is incredible, and that, the key thing there is how he works with his his sort of AM drivers. You know, the pros are all we've seen before in these pro AM categories. The pros are all normally within a tenth or two, and um, depending on the balance of performance. And but the amateurs can be you know seconds apart, so it makes perfect sense for you to a compromise your own setup, um, your own desires for the car, and then also to to train and coach and help the the AMs. I know they've have been pros in the past who've just been so obsessed about getting the fastest lap that they just set the car up on a knife edge so they can go and hang it out for a few laps but then hand it over to the amateur and the tyres are not in a great shape and the amateur can't drive it and then they fall backwards and then they look terrible. I think Johnny does a really good job of making the AMs feel like they're a real part of the winning combination. And I think one of the things we were all pleasantly surprised about was the fact that GT3 actually has more cars this season than GT4 which I don't think has been the case for a number of years obviously you mentioned that you covered it you know a couple of years ago Kev a couple, that's very generous. <laughs> well, I, I would. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what were the numbers like in in GT three? Then were they, you know, were they more than the lower category? Or? Well, well, I actually, I actually started covering British GT before GT three was a thing. In fact, GT three was something else. So we won't get into that. That's uh, far, far too much of a tangent. But British GT in two thousand six was a sort of GT twos at the front, and you basically had a panels and a Ferrari, and that was it. And it was a bit uh, didn't look great. Um, and then GT3 was brought in on the FIA from the FIA in, in 2006, um, Seven Retail's project. And 2007, GT3s came in and immediately the grid started to grow. And it, 2007, 2008 was good. 2009, not so much. So it's, it's a classic sports car story of the uh, the grids go up and down. Um, but you're absolutely right. To see GT3 um, sort of bounce back again, um, yeah, it's really something. You know, it's a it's a successful category now. It's fourteen years it's been around. So yes, prices have gone up over the years, and the original idea of keeping them down to a Porsche Cup level of performance went out the window in about six months. But uh, it's you know it's got more manufacturing involvement than probably any other category in the world, I should think. Yeah, definitely. And there's still like new cars coming along all the time. Last year we had the new Aston, the new McLaren. This year there's a, a modified Mercedes GT3 car as well. So it it, it it's constantly evolving. There's no sign that it's dead at, at all. I'm not a fan of balance of performance as a concept, but I accept that you know if you're going to get manufacturers and teams to invest lots of money, they they need to be able to win sometimes. And balance of performance basically allows you to do that. And I think the cars and the category have been around long enough. You know the complaints about balance of performance. I mean, there's always going to be one or two in the paddock who kick off about it. But overall, they've come down over the years. Um, and um, you know lots of different cars. They're so different as well. You know, mid-engine, front-engine. You know, lots of different engine configuration. Lots of different sounds. You can close your eyes and hear the cars go past. You know that they're all they're all different. Um, so it's got a lot of appeal. Probably deserves more spectators on the banks. Actually, British GT. But it's always been something. It's always flown a bit under the radar. Probably because the races are a bit long and people go to British touring car meetings. Obviously, it's not just British GT that's at those meetings. There's also British F3, which also had its media day today. And who sort of caught your eye from the lineup so far Stefan um, 
I mean, the obvious favourite for the championship this year has to be Kieran Dewis, um, who was the one of the finalists in the Autosport McLaren BRDC award. Oh, nearly McLaren in front of Autosport, but yeah. Um, in 2018. Award. Yeah, 2018, yeah. 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 Um, so he's returning with Douglas Motorsport again this season. Um, only managed to win one race last year. He's a, to, I mean, to be honest, he was a bit of a di- disappointment until about halfway through the season, um, just getting caught up in other people's accidents. Um, but really this season, he, he's the form driver. Needs to be winning the championship if he wants to, you know, further his career. Um, but also returning. I mean, it's not going to be easy by any, by, you know, by any means. Um, also returning is Caelan Frederick um, for Carlin, who got two wins last year. Um, so you know he's going to be someone to look out for. And then you've got people like Josh Skelton coming up from British F4. Um, you know who could spring a surprise perhaps with Chris Dittman racing. So you know it's a it is a competitive championship up at the front. Um, perhaps the numbers could be a little bit higher than they are at the minute. I think there's 15 confirmed, but hopefully that'll increase to close to 20 by the um, by the start of the season. But most of the rounds this year it will be supporting British GT. So I mean, you know, if you want to go and see British GT cars in action at the same time, you can see the top single seater category in the UK there as well. So um, you know, it's a double whammy really, which is which is great. You know, if you're a fan of national motorsport. It's developing a good track record as well from producing drivers. I mean, uh, Jonathan Hoggard didn't actually win the championship last year, did he? But he was probably the fastest driver. Um, and we weren't sure what to expect. He was picked in the in the four in the Aston Martin all sort. BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award, which Derek Warwick has made the title even longer this year, or last year. Um, but Hoggard was unbelievably quick in all the cars. Um, and he's I think he's got a deal in uh, Asia for Porsche Carrera Cup out there, and he's working on a couple of other deals. I think there's probably still a wider issue in terms of the budget gap between a BRDC F3 um, season and stepping up into a European category. Um, and that's why some of the drivers, you know, Tom Gamble, who was the winner of the award the year before, you know, they've struggled to to, to sort of press on on, on the single seater ladder. But that's uh, that's not really the fault of BRDCF three for being good value for money. Um, and um, but yeah, so there's some there's some good there are some good drivers at the front. You have to be you have to be pretty good to you've always had to be pretty good to win British F three in whichever era you're talking about. I think that just about wraps it up for today. Um, thank you very much to Kevin and to Stephen. Um, as I said at the start, this is hopefully going to be something that we do um, on a bi-weekly basis. Hopefully, um, but in the meantime, keep an eye out for our national supplements, which will be coming out every month. And in the meantime, thanks very much for listening. Well, thank you for listening to Autosports National Racing Podcast. Uh, Myself and the regular F1 team will be back soon. At the moment, we're currently travelling to Australia for what we hope will be the 2020 season opener. But in the meantime, do keep checking autosport.com for the latest news and insight and also the extended features in Autosport Plus. And in Autosport Plus, our world-class writers and technical experts dig deep into the stories you want to know more about. You can save yourself 33% over the usual monthly price by signing up for the annual package, which is a whole year's worth of premium articles, unlimited content and never any ads. Go to autosport.com slash plus and get signed up now. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is it. This is the year. Enough dreaming about growing my business online. It's time to get serious about selling. In my style. As big as I want to grow. Because there's nothing I can't do. It's time to get Shopify and take my business to the next level. Whoa, someone's ready to take on the new year. Oh, oh, I thought I was talking to myself there. But heck yeah, 2023 is my year. That's not your average resolution. That's a revolution. It's It's a a new New year's Year's revolution. Start selling with Shopify to join the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand. From templates that make site design simple to customizations that let you grow at your pace. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. That's shopify.com slash free 22. Go to shopify.com to start your New Year's revolution today. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.